Welcome to the party, pal. The, the Michael Dukes Show. The greed and the entitlement is astounding to me. What more could you want from a low-budget radio program? This is a dumpster fire. That was just BS. It is time to get a new perspective. We know just what you need, and we've got just the cure. Open wide and prepare for a steaming hot cup of freedom. I just don't fathom it. The Michael Dukes Show, streaming live across the world. Oh, yeah. Live around the world on the internet at MichaelDukesShow.com and across the state of Alaska on this your favorite radio station and or FM translator. Good morning, my friends. Welcome to the program. It is the Michael Duke Show, and it is Thursday, Thursday, Thursday. Uh, one day off of Firearms Friday. We could see it from here. We're feeling it. We're loving it. We're ready to go, and uh, just can't wait. The weekend is uh, not too far away. The weather has been, well, slightly uncooperative. Uh, let's put it that way. <laughs> Slightly. I mean, it's nice that it got up to be so nice and warm and 40-ish and the you know everything. And then, of course, it all melted and then it snowed and got frozen again. And now last night we got even more snow. Uh, so we'll talk about what's coming on that. There's a huge storm, by the way, coming up um, through the Aleutians going out into I mean, it's affecting everything from north to Point Lay. All the way down to the peninsula and across the state as it pushes across, um, <clears throat> you're all going to see some snow and wind. Let's just put it that way. Wherever you are, you're going to see snow and wind. And uh, I don't know exactly how much, but a lot. So, comparatively. <laughs> oh, man, it was just another day that I, I knew I shouldn't have got out of bed this morning. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's snowing right now in Wasilla, and uh, uh, it was... Uh, it was, it's gnarly. It's gnarly out there. Be cautious out there. Be cautious out there. Be careful. Uh, wind gusts up to 60, 70 miles an hour, depending on where you're at. Um, up in the interior, I don't think quite so much. I didn't, I didn't catch the interior forecast, but it's uh, still cold. And um, just winter's not done with us, I guess is what I was saying. Uh, and I know, it's, I know it's very blasé to talk about the weather, but you know, it's a big part of our lives here, and it is what it is. I'm still constantly amazed that I can be constantly amazed by Mother Nature. So it's, I should know better. I shouldn't put all my hopes in what's going on. Um, all right. Um, so what's happening this morning? Well, in hour one this morning, it's just you and me. We may have a few phone calls in from... Um, Friends of the show or, you know, I'm expecting maybe a call or two. We'll see what happens here uh, for an update about what's going on in the legislature. But for the most part, it's going to be you and me. And I have some things to say this morning. Um, I've got I've got stuff and things. I got stuff and things to say this morning. And uh, you might want to buckle up for that. Uh, then in hour two, we're going to be joined by State Senator Mike Schauer who is going to uh who's going to come on and give us the rundown from his perspective perspective and we'll be doing that uh for the whole second hour 
uh, an hour or two. And, you know, just it's like taking a sip from a fire hose. You let Mike go and he just, whoa, man, you know, I'll sit back and relax for the next hour as he just goes to town. Uh, but I do have to remind you, if you are, uh, if you didn't know, if you hadn't heard, if you haven't been paying attention, the uh, this weekend in Fairbanks is the big to-do on Saturday. Dennis Prager, founder of Prager University, host of the Dennis Prager Show, all-around good guy, critical thinker, scholar, gentleman, cigar aficionado. Uh, he is going to be uh, coming up to Fairbanks. He's going to be there on Saturday. There is a luncheon uh, from 1130 to 130 at the Wedgwood Resort, uh, the Borealis Ballroom there at the Wedgwood Resort. Uh, so you, if you want, you, you need to get tickets for that. Tickets for that are 75 bucks. Or I'm going to be giving away a couple more pair today uh, during the show. Uh, so we'll be doing that. Now, again, you have to be in Fairbanks. Um, I put a post up on my Facebook page about giving, and then people are like, sure, I would take it. And then I'd find out that they lived in Soldotna or someplace. They didn't realize it was in Fairbanks. It's in Fairbanks. You have to be able to get to Fairbanks by 1130 a.m. on Saturday. <laughs> so before you throw your hat in the ring for these free tickets, uh, I mean, airfare not included, right? <laughs> Highway gas money not included. You got to climb in the car and get to Fairbanks, 11.30 a.m. to 1.30 p.m. Those tickets are 75 bucks. Uh, I'm giving away two at a time. That's $150 value. Um, so I have two more pair to give away. Um, and for those of you who are members of the Common Sense Corps, the Common Sense Corps, that's, uh, you know, that's our cool kids club. So for you members of the Common Sense Corps who are in Fairbanks, I also posted up a thing in the Common Sense Corps that said if you wanted to go, let me know uh, that I might have had a couple extra tickets for you guys. Uh, but I posted that up yesterday or anyway, I haven't seen anybody. Nobody responded to it. So I don't know if there's just nobody in Fairbanks has logged on to the Common Sense Corps page since yesterday or not. But if you're listening to me right now and you're a member of the Common Sense Corps, you may want to travel over there and give me your name or put your name down to get drawn out of the hat there. Then on uh, Saturday night at 5.30, there is a intimate, there's an intimate private reception and dinner. Yep. <clears throat> intimate private reception. Only 50 people. Only 50 people available at the Fountainhead, the Antique Auto Museum, 5.30. Uh, you get a one seat at the private dinner. Uh, you get a private VIP meet and greet with Dennis. You get to shake hands and, you know, mingle. And uh, then you get the chance for a picture, you know, a little talk, whatever. Um, those tickets are $250. And you can go to akfamily.org if you'd like to uh, find out, get more information. The uh, tickets are available there. And all you got to do is go register. Uh, just go, just go register. Um, and you can participate this Saturday, the 24th, akfamily.org. We interviewed Dennis a little bit about it on Monday. Um, uh, minus all the technical glitches that we had on Monday, for some reason, it was a good interview and we had a good time. So go check it out. And I am going to give away again, a couple, um, I'm going to give away a couple tickets this today. 
I haven't decided how I'm going to do it. I don't know. It just might be a phone call. It might be a email. Uh, you might want to <clears throat> get ready. But again, remember, this takes place in Fairbanks. So if you live down in Homer or you live, you know, out at Bethel or something, you, you it's on you to get to the Golden Heart City by uh, Saturday at 1130 a.m. Okay. Just, I'm just throwing that out there. Throwing that out there. Okay. Um, what uh, do I need? Uh, what do I, what do I need to, what do I need to answer here? What do I need to go over? I got some things to say. Um, I'm a little, I'm a little, um, irritated by some of the commentary on a variety of things. Um, specifically education obviously is going to be a big deal, uh, for what we're talking about here this morning. Uh, that is like the, I mean, that's the only thing they're focusing on, it appears, in the uh, in the legislature right now. I mean, the House anyway. It seems like that's just, it, it's, here we are, we're, we're over a month in, and very little else has been discussed in the legislature. I mean, the Senate passed their deal, and, uh, you know, the, the, the Senate passed their deal and got it up, but, but, but the House, oof, man, all they've been focusing on lately is the uh, education bills. And they're going a whole lot of nowhere. And I want to talk a little bit about the rhetoric and about what's happening and the reaction as well from um, various entities, including the school districts. Um, and we talked about that <clears throat> the other day, how if you don't give uh, these organizations like the, the, you know, the, the school boards, the NEA, the, the teachers unions, if you don't give them exactly what they're demanding, um, you are going to feel the pain, right? They're going to hit you exactly where it hurts as hard as they can, and they are going to do so in a way that is designed to enrage and engage the public in this debate over, for example, in this case, over school funding. Um, we've talked about that this in the past. This is a typical tactic of politicians and political, uh, you know, political operatives. Um, I still remember when Tony Knowles was struggling. We had a deficit. And uh, so his reaction was because the legislature wouldn't give him what he wanted, he essentially line itemed out the the um, um, the maintenance on the highways going north of Fairbanks. Right? No more snow plowing on the Elliott Highway. No more snow plowing on the on the Glen or on the uh, um, on the on the Rich going down to Paxson. I mean, you know, it just. Just all this stuff where he was going to do it where it hurt people. I mean, we were going to spend $500,000 paving a back parking lot at the DOT facility. But nobody said, well, maybe we should, you know, maintain the highways. I know they're two different budgets. in there, But the point is still the same. Maximum pressure. Maximum pain. 
And um, all I could say is the Anchorage School District, hey, mission accomplished, right? Because what happened um, last, what was the first date of this? This was, uh, uh, the proposal was on the 16th. So here we are six days ago. And this story actually came out yesterday. So five days, five days ago, essentially, the Anchorage School District put forward a, a proposal that they were going to cut elementary art classes and health instruction classes, which I don't really know what health instructors in elementary school talk about other than is that is that reproductive health? Are we talking about sex education? I don't really know what a health instructor does as a separate class in, in grade school. I'll be first to admit that. But they were going to cut art classes and all this stuff. And that actually, that made a big stink. There was a big story in the ADN. Um, they had pictures of these teachers looking very sad or angry about how their positions were going to be cut and how the kids were really feeling the pain. And I mean, the, the, the news media just, just bought into this hook, line, and sinkers. You know, Anchorage School District plan to cut dedicated elementary art classes and health instructors draws concern. And the story goes on to talk about all these things and what they're doing. And this is the one that I actually quoted the other day that where Andy Holl Andy Holloman from the school board said, oh, we're only doing this because we're out of money. We're only cutting because we don't have the funding. It's the state's fault. Remember this conversation that we had? So this was five days ago, six days ago. Oh, they also announced that they were going to eliminate the Ignite program, which is the gifted and talented program. They were going to eliminate 18 of the 20 teachers who teach that, saving themselves a couple million bucks a year. And what happened? What happened day before yesterday? What happened on Tuesday? Oh, they walked that back. Why did they walk it back? Oh, because there was a huge hue and cry from the parents of one gifted and talented students, where I assume just based kind of on what's going on, that they are probably more engaged than the average parent. I mean, I, you know, I'm not trying to call anything out. I'm just saying kids who are gifted and talented, the parents are probably paying a little bit closer attention to what's, go you know, the parents are probably more engaged. They knew this. They knew going into this that if they hit the gifted and talented program and then they hit the art program and they hit the they knew that they were going to get this huge hue and cry so they make this big dramatic thing and they make this announcement on Tuesday at the meeting that they have decided we're no longer recommending that this be proposed next year i i mean it's just you were this is bait they know what they're doing. They know the news media will run those sad, sad stories about all this kind of stuff. And they got the predictable response. The room filled up. Bryant's comments do, drew loud applause from the large room filled to nearly every seat in the room, many of them wearing red to support Ed. Right? You know, and, and the reason they keep doing this, folks, is because it works. Because it works. 
The parents probably really have not given any thought to anything else beyond what's affecting their kid. They're not looking at the outcomes. They're not looking at anything else. They knew that this affects them directly. And so they got, oh man, we got to get out there. We got to get engaged. We got to jump up and down with our red sweatshirts with everybody else and throw and show them. And the news media, again, plays right along. The parents play right along. And then the, all the education people high-five themselves in the background because they knew that, oh, they just knew. We got him now. We, we got him now. Hit him where it hurts. That will fix everything. I mean, they got the playbook, baby. They got the playbook right there. It's... It, it really sickens me to watch. It discourages me. Because I know these parents care about their kids, but I don't think they're paying attention beyond the immediate, oh, they're going to take my kid's class away. They're not thinking beyond that. In my opinion, as a whole, en masse. All right, we got to go. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense, Liberty Base, Free Thinking Radio. If you missed the show, you can listen to it on your time with Dukes On Demand. Oh, and it's free. Like America used to be. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. All right, let me check my email. Somebody's telling me that there's there's a problem here. We've got a problem. Um... There we go. Um, closure areas, Moose Pass due to heavy snowfall, Seward Elementary, Seward High, Seward Middle School, Moose Pass School. Bunch of schools closed. Okay. Well, I'll announce that in the next segment. I'll announce that in the next segment. Ah. Okay. Um, was there more than just that one? I suppose I should go look at the other. I got too many email addresses. I got like 53 email addresses, and I'm trying to figure out which one they send everything to. There we go. Homer areas, Homer areas, school closures. There we go. Got it all. Got it all. All right. Thank you. All right. Let's go back to that. Um, uh, cannot hear through the cobwebs this morning. Despite eight hours of sleep. I feel that sometimes. Uh, good morning. Um, last night, the six amendments to the amendments didn't pass, said Lisa. No, I know. They just, they just, you know. And then at one point, they're like, okay, we're going to adjourn till 11 a.m. tomorrow. <sighs> okay. <laughs> that's, a, you know, that's okay. Um, yeah. Um, maybe they paid the kids to read the statements, child labor law. Willow to Talkeetna is now closed, says Terry. They were expecting 14 inches up on the highway. So have they closed, uh, did they close the highway there? I didn't see that in the, uh, alerts this morning when I was reading the alerts, but, uh, <clears throat> why so many email addresses? Oh, if you only knew, if you only New every finger I have my every pie I have my finger in requires a secondary requires a different email address. That's what happens. That's what happens. The new buzzword from the house. 
It's an apocalypse if the Anchorage School District doesn't get the BSA increase. Okay. All right. Okay. Whatever. I mean, I just, it, it gets to the point where you just can't, you, I mean, if you're, if you're actually thinking about this, you can't look these people in the eye and take anything they say seriously. I mean, really, that's what it comes down to. You just can't take them seriously. Because it's always the sky is falling. It's always doom and gloom. It's always somebody, you know, you don't care about the children. It's always something. <laughs> Sad that the NEA sweatshirts misspelled the word red as red. I missed that. I missed that on a... I said red for Ed. That's all I saw was one t-shirt there, one sh shirt that said red for Ed. But I don't know. Did they actually, I mean, that would be hysterical, Donna, if they actually did that. That's actually funny. Um, okay. Uh, YouTube's is working. Okay. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. What else I got here? You guys, you guyses, you guyses. Um, do I need any of that? Nope, I don't need any of that. Okay. Sorry, I'm just, I'm trying to. <laughs> trying to, trying to get my stuff here through the common sense core. No, nope, nobody. Okay. All right. I'm just making sure that everything is uh, hunky-dory and above board. All right. And click. Okay. All right. Um, they should rename the school district to doom and gloom, says Chris. I mean, okay. Uh, you know, again, I, I just, I, I now I understand even more why people are just embracing embracing this whole idea of uh of just schooling their own kids because the nonsense that continues to go on with this kind of stuff is just exacer just just exasperating just exacerbating it's exasperating and exacerbating say that five times fast all right let's get back to it here we go uh the michael luke show common sense liberty-based free thinking radio like share subscribe ring the bell let's do this thing right now go The Michael Duke Show. Not your daddy. Wait, sorry. Not your daddy? Ooh, not your daddy's talk radio. Huh. Whew. I was scared for a second. Thought we were going down. Here's Michael Dukes and the show. Gail in the chat room giving us the new, it's the new quote from the, apparently from the legislature. It's an apocalypse if the Anchorage School District doesn't get the BSA increase. It's an apocalypse. It's an educational apocalypse if we don't get what we demand. Um, and But again, I mean, sure, this is exactly what's going to happen. The, the, the school district is going to play the tune. The news media is going to dance to the tune. The people are going to be entranced by what's being reported. Um, and then they'll declare victory when they come in and, and they get all these people um, agitated. And, you know, because, it, you know, if you can't motivate, you agitate. Right. 
That's the old axiom. If you can't motivate people, you agitate them. So if you couldn't get enough people on your side by motivating them about why you needed another, you know, $300 million in education spending for a BSA, then what you need to do is you need to agitate them. So then you start eliminating all their favorite programs that their kids really love. And you get the kids to come up and you get the kids to come up and testify during the meeting. My classroom teachers don't have enough time to challenge me because everyone's on a different level, which, again, is the main problem with public schooling to begin with, is that, I mean, when I went to school, I'll be honest with you, I was not really challenged by much. In fact, I was bored most of the time, right? But that was just, that's just kind of how things go. And now they're, they're talking about, this is a third grader. Uh, she said, if Ignite is taken away, the gifted and talented, I'll lose my favorite part of the week. I mean, they're, they're, <clears throat> they're all in it together and they're all doing it on purpose. That's what I'm saying in this case. They are specifically taking a now, you know, what about cutting schools? What about closing schools? What about looking? I mean, Fairbanks is closing what up to four schools. Now, it doesn't make anybody happy, you know, because they the school is close to them or they have fond memories of their other kids going to the schools or they themselves in some cases went to the schools. And so there's some emotional baggage on that. And all. But the bottom line is, is that if you have a dearth of students, if your population or your enrollment is declining and you have fewer dollars to use because of that decline and everything else, You've got to make the cuts. That's how you survive is you reduce your expenditures to match your income. But because this is a public thing, because it's public, because it's government, because it's schools, because it's for the children, somehow that means we just have to pour ever-increasing amounts of money into it? I mean, again, a quick reminder we currently spend 6.7% of all available, I mean, of available salaries, right? Bob Griffin had that article over in Must Read where he's talking about that. The amount that we spend right now is approximate to two, is, is, a pro, is, is, is the equal of 6.7% of all income in the state, personal income. So if we were going to fund education at where we were at right now, you would have to pay a 6.7% tax just to hold the line where it's at right now, which is nearly double what they're doing in places like Florida and everything else where they're only doing it at like 3.4%. But they want more, M-O-A-R, more. That's what they want. Because we couldn't possibly do with less. Because now we're talking about people's jobs. Oh, think of the people who would lose their jobs if we had to cut back. I think about that all the time in the private sector. I think about that all the time, that if we don't achieve our goals, if we don't hit our sales, if we don't need to do, if we don't hit the numbers that we need to hit, then guess what? I've got to make hard choices about who do I let go? Where do I cut? I mean, those are hard choices as an employer. Those are choices that I've had to make. Who gets their hours cut? Who loses, you know, who maybe, you know, loses the job entirely? Maybe we have to change directions and make a shift. 
I mean, I've had to fire people. It's not a fun thing to do. Right? I mean, it is my least favorite thing for me to do. Because, of course, I care about these people. But the business demands it. I can't just do it and keep paying them because I can go demand money from somebody else. See, that's the difference between the public and the private sector. They just go hold up somebody else for money at the state level just by taking it from the PFD or whatever, and they can keep doing whatever they want. In the private sector, we can't do that. If there is less revenue, if there is less income, if there is less, you know, productivity, we have to pay the cost for that. We have to, you know, adjust what we're doing to match that. I mean, it's, it's, I mean, there's just amazing that, that this is where we're at. They continue. And this went from, remember, this went from zero to hero. What really got them in the pickle on this whole deal was the fact that they took all those federal dollars, hundreds of millions of federal dollars from COVID relief, and they started plugging them in into places that they were not supposed to. They used them as ongoing funds instead of the one-time funds that they were. And now all of a sudden they're like, whoa, 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 wait a second. We're out of money now. Piss poor planning on your part does not constitute an emergency on my part, right? That's what it comes down to. Um, I got some announcements. I forgot to do this when I came right back. Uh, there is a, a two-hour delay due to the heavy snowfall down on the peninsula. Uh, apparently, they got a lot of snow on the peninsula. There is a two-hour delay for the southern peninsula for the following schools. Oh, God, here we go. You ready? Chapman School, Fireweed Academy, Homer Flex, Homer High, Homer Middle School. Ketchumac Silo, McKeel, uh, McNeil Canyon Elementary. Uh, I Nikolevsk, I'm sure I messed that up. Uh, Nanilchik, Paul Banks Elementary, Razdolna, uh, Vonesenka, uh, Vonesenka, and West Homer Elementary School. All of those students and staff should arrive at school two hours later than normal. And over in uh, Seward, well, they just closed the schools. They're like, nope. Uh, Moose Pass School is closed, Seward Elementary, Seward High, and Seward Middle School are all closed. So, uh, And they've also closed the schools, according to uh, Terry in the chat room, which I did not see a notification. I usually get notification from Matsu on this, but uh, they also closed the schools from Willow to Talkeetna. So it's because uh, they got a lot of snow up there. So I guess I should just... <clears throat> One inch of snow in 30 minutes. Well, that is uh, that is it. That's it right there. Nikolaivisk? Nikolaivisk. Nikolaivisk. All right. Thank you, Bill. He was correcting my pronunciation. Although I can talk like Russian, I cannot pronounce like Russian. Nikolaivisk. There you go. So we got it all good. It's all the ice on the side roads that's killing. I mean, I watched, I had an accident happen 15 feet in front of me yesterday. I was going home. I looked up and I said, that guy's not going to stop. And I stopped and he ran through that intersection at 50 miles an hour and hit the guy right in front of me. I'm just like, oh, that's, oh, oh, ow, ow. People just not 
I don't know, man. Don't know. Pay attention. Look both ways, even when the light's green. That's all I'm saying. Try to teach that to all my kids. Look both ways, even when the light's green. Um, all right. Uh, I, I totally threw my rhythm off when I went to that just because I was I, I wanted to make sure I got those school closures in. But this whole thing with the, you know, them getting their way and doing what they want to do, we're just going to cut where it hurts the most. And we're going to get these parents engaged, even though I don't think the parents are really thinking beyond what the initial impact is to their kids right now. That's the problem. That's the problem. I don't think they're analyzing. I don't think anybody has laid out the facts to them. In the th- you know, here we got 135,000 kids, and we're spending 2.7, 2.8, 2.9 billion dollars on educating them, and yet we need more. That is 6.7 percent of all, you know, of all salaries and income in the state essentially is going to that. And if you had to pay for it, well, nobody's laying it out to them like that, and they're not listening to this show, obviously. Um, but it's just it's pain. It's a pain point. That's exactly what it is. It's a pain point. All right. Um, we got to go. I'm going to continue here in just a minute. Um, we're going to continue uh, right after this. I'll be back. The Michael Duke Show. Common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. If you missed the show, you can listen to it on your time with Dukes On Demand. Oh, and it's free. Like America used to be. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. Okay. All right. Um, If I spray coffee on my feet, will they get moving? Anchorage, where red lights are optional. No, this happened at church. I was on the Parks Highway. I was on the Parks Highway headed out, and I was headed out of town, out of Wasilla, and uh, the light was green to us. Two or three cars went through, and the guys ahead of me started to go through, and I looked up the hill because I usually try, even when it's green, I'm looking, and I caught movement, and I look, and this guy was just coming down the hill like, I mean, he was going fast, and I'm like, whoa, that you're not going to be able to. And I just hit the brakes. I stopped. I didn't go through the intersection. He hit that guy ahead of me. He was about 15 feet ahead of me when he hit me, when he hit the guy. And, uh, I mean, it was, the guy didn't even stop. He didn't even slow down. He didn't even, I don't know what was going on. No brake lights, no nothing. He just full on, bam, full-size pickup truck against a Honda CRV. <clears throat> it was uh, gnarly. Let's put it that way. That was gnarly. Uh, anyway, uh, facts don't matter. MD it's for the children. Same thing with gun discussion feels. It's all about the feels. Yeah, I agree. It aggravates me, says Kim, when they have kids testify because you're weaponizing your kids. You're essentially, you've gone beyond the logical, reasonable argument, and you're going right to the feels. That's exactly what Brian was just saying. You're going right to the, oh, feel bad for my children because they don't, I mean, they don't, again, I'm sure you could have the smartest, gifted, and talented kid who's a third grader still doesn't understand the ramifications of what's going on. 
I mean, you know, it's just, it feels dirty, man. That's what it feels like. Uh, yeah. Um, okay. That's what was going on. Closing four schools in Fairbanks is an opportunity to open charter schools in these buildings. Parents and educators need to step up. Yeah. I mean, I hope they get the charter school thing through the legislature. Because that would go a long way. I mean, first and foremost, it would wrest control of that away from the local school boards who don't, they don't want their monopoly challenged. You know, you saw what happened in Anchorage with that charter school, 800 parents. And when that, when they, when they closed that charter school, 800 parents just pulled out of the system and said, oh yeah. And they gave them the finger on the way out the door. Yeah. That's all I'm saying. Um, using kids as a tool is, is, is despicable. These are grown up problems. I mean, I agree. I agree. But that's a tactic that you see all the time. And it's just, <clears throat> it's like bringing these kids to these big protests and things like that. These kids don't understand anything. I mean, you know, at this point they want to go watch bear the big blue house and play with Legos. They don't care about Or maybe you make them care. Maybe you make them so neurotic with all these problems that they shouldn't be facing when they're kids that maybe, I, I don't know. The whole thing is just, it's crazy. <laughs> like Greta Thunberg. Yeah, then you end up with Greta Thunberg. That's what you end up with. <gasps> Oof. Talk about mental disorder. All right. Um, I'm just going through here. As I said almost four years ago, that the cure for COVID would ultimately be worse than the disease. And I, I think you're right in many ways. Um, it messed things up so, so tough. Bob Griffin has a new piece over at Must Read. Okay. Uh, you had me at that because I was, I was reading Bob's piece again. Um. While funding is adequate for Alaska schools, the results are still disappointing. Um, how much time do I got? A minute is there. Seeing a huge battle erupt in June over the school funding this year, where their energy should be focused on how to reallocate our education dollars to programs that produce results. Rutgers University of Miami ranked Alaska second in the nation overall best funding with a score of 95 out of 100. Uh, Florida last ranked last with a score of 12 out of 100. Despite the enormous difference, 28% of Florida high school graduates scored at three or higher on at least one AP exam compared to 11%. <laughs> Jesus. Oh, please, oh Lord, help us help us with this right here. Um, wow. I mean, wow. Okay, uh, we're going to have to go over this and talk about this because this, that's just, wow. <laughs> and, and of course, then we get, where is this? I, I pulled this quote. I've got to pull this quote out because where is it? Um, it's, damn it. Hold on. Hold on. I'm looking for it. Here you go. There it is. I got it. So we're going to have to get this because Andy Josephson, the gift that just keeps on giving is, uh, is got a quote in here that I want to read in conjunction with that piece. So thank you, Donna, for giving us the heads up on that. Bob Griffin's got some good stuff. 
Let's uh, continue ahead. The Michael Duke Show. Common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Like, share, subscribe, ring the bell. Let's do this thing. Here we go. The Michael Duke Show. Seriously humorous with a pinch of intellect. <laughs> pinch of intellect. Sorry. That is humorous. Here's Michael Dukes. Well, special thanks to uh, Donna, who I didn't get really to go through Must Read this morning, Must Read Alaska. Usually I catch at least one or two stories. I try and read from all different aspects, right? I read the landmine. I read read the uh, current, the Alaska current, which is the thing from uh, the guy that used to do the Midnight Sun blog. Um, And the ADN and KTUU. But I apparently missed this story this morning. Uh, which uh, from last night, and this was Bob Griffin, who uh, Bob Griffin wrote that story that I was referencing, talking about the 6.7% of all salaries. How, how is let me? I want to make sure that I read that quote properly because I'm sure that I screwed it up. Um, that he said, um, Alaska spending on K 12 in the last school year, 21 22, was equal to 6.7% of all personal income in the state. So if Alaskans had to fund K-12 at our current level without oil revenues, without all the other stuff that they just had to pay, it would take a 6.7% personal income tax on all Alaskans, rich and poor, with no deductions or exemptions just to pay for K-12 through at the current spending levels. So that was the number that just really stood out to me from Bob's last story, which is a... I you. You should read this. This I'm going to post this in the chat room because this is great. So this is the old story. Uh, and then Donna pointed out to me that there was this new story. While funding is adequate for Alaska schools, results are still disappointing. Now, see, this is the part that nobody wants to talk about. This is the part that nobody wants to engage in and discuss because it shows how badly they've been doing with the money that's spent. So let's just let's just let's just dip our toes into the first part of this article. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but I'm going to read you the stuff that caught my attention from the I skimmed the article in the last this last commercial break. Uh, again, thank you, Donna, for pointing it out to me. I missed it this morning. But uh, oh, and by the way, Bob Griffin is. If you're asking who's Bob Griffin, uh, he is on the board of the Alaska Policy Forum, and he also serves on the Alaska Board of Education and Early Development, but he's writing in his own capacity here. So this is just his own personal opinion, not as an official of either organization. So Bob starts by talking about, you know, we're watching this huge battle in Juneau. You know, this is, you know, we should be focusing on other things like reallocating education dollars to produce better results instead of arguing about whether we need more, more, M-O-A-R, money than before. (laughs) Then he goes on to talk about a January 2024 joint Rutgers and University of Miami study ranked Alaska second in the nation overall for best funding adequacy. In 2021, that's the last 2021-2022 school year, right? In best funding adequacy, with a score of 95 out of a possible 100. That I mean, this goes back to what we were talking about before. We are spending 2.9, 2.7, 2.9. I, I get I, the numbers. I keep getting different numbers from different people. 
I mean, let's just say 2.8. We'll, we'll split the baby and say it's $2.8 billion on what, 135, 140,000 students across the state? I mean, it's a, it's a huge number, huge number. So we score a possible 95 out of 100, second in the nation overall for best funding adequacy. Now, Florida was ranked dead last in the study with a funding adequacy score of 12 out of 100. And in fact, Bob quoted, uh, Bob um, used Florida as an example when we are at 6.7% of all personal income. That's how much the spending on K-12 is in Alaska. In Florida, it was 3.1% of overall. That was their cost to overall. So we get to this story about how Florida, well, they're just, they're 12. They're dead last. Now, despite the nor- the huge, huge difference in fiscal effort, meaning Alaska was dead, was almost first, almost number one in funding, and Florida was dead last in funding, in spite of that, 28.8% of Florida high school graduates scored a three or higher on at least one AP exam. That's the third highest in the nation, despite being the last in funding. Compared to Alaska, where we were 45th, with only 11.9% scoring at least three or higher on an AP exam. I mean, that says it all. Now, the study accounts for cost of living differences between locations and judges' funding adequacy and talks about, you know, primary salaries and goes through. He goes through this whole thing and talks about all this stuff. And the bottom line is, is that we are still performing. We are number one or up near the top in number one, two or three for funding by the various metrics. And yet we continue to fail when it comes to delivering an adequate product for our children, for our future. It's just, it's just, it's non-existent. And it is just insane that we keep just pushing this. It's just like, this is it. This is what we need to do. We just need M-O-A-R, more money in everything that's going on. And anytime you talk about the educational component and the outcome, like you, we have to have some metrics, we have to have some performance increases, they say, well, no, 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 you can't do that. You can't do that. That wouldn't make any sense. In fact, in the article from the Alaska Beacon yesterday, Andrew Kitchenman had an article in the Beacon, and he was talking about the debate yesterday on the education bill. And he said majority caucus Republicans were unsuccessful in adopting, adopting their preferred version of the bill, which included the charter and correspondence school changes as well as a $300 BSA increase. Uh, Rep. Justin Ruffridge from Soldatna had said last year that a $680 increase was needed by his schools in his districts, but on Wednesday he voted against that increase. So again, credit where credit's due. Good job, Justin. Thank you. 
Uh, he said, I would say nothing is dead. We're working through the process. Eastman, David Eastman, spoke against amendments to increase the school funding formula, noting the state's low ranking among the states in student test scores. Again, this is why, I mean, I, I agree with David on so many things. And then he, anyway, my question is, if we were to increase this amount, would we expect an increase in our performance? Or would we expect the same performance that we've had recently? To which Andy Josephson, the gift that just keeps on getting. This is the guy that sat through four hours of testimony on the dividend, demonstrably and overwhelming in favor of paying a statutory regular dividend, came back to them and said, you guys just don't understand what the issue is. I kid you not. I kid you. I cannot kid you on that. Literally. Andy Josephson rejected linking funding increase to test score outcomes. He said, fundamentally, I'm bothered by the idea that these are widgets and that if we just make the widget cheaper and the factory faster, somehow we'll spit out a better product. Okay, so first and foremost, that's not what they said. They didn't compare them to widgets. I mean, school children in this regard are a product that are being developed by the school system and that we should have an adequate product being developed by the school system. Nobody said you had to make the widget cheaper. They said you have to do a better job on quality control, not make the widget cheaper uh, and make the factory somehow fast. I mean, I love it how they, they, they disseminate this down to where it is not about making sure that the kids have an adequate education. You're demeaning them to making them widgets faster and cheaper. It's a nonsensical argument, but nobody calls him on it except me, I guess. And so you're saying that we should just give you as much money as you demand, regardless of what the outcome is with the children, that if we don't, that we're actually wanting you to make children ch ch cheaper. I mean, other people are doing it. See, that's the worst part. It's not like this is happening in a vacuum. We can look across the nation and we can see people who are doing more with less. They are doing more, M-O-R-E, with less, where here, all we want to do is less with M-O-A-R. More! Give me more! That's all they want. And they don't want, they don't want accountability. They don't want to link the funding increases. They don't want meritocracy. They just want it to be an automatic. They just just give it to us. Just give it to us because we said so. Even though, again, we're almost number one in funding and we're number 45th in that metric that I just talked about earlier from Bob Griffin's article, we're 49th in, you know, math and reading comprehension. We got one in four students aren't even graduating, which is a number that is almost unchanged only by, what, two or three points in the last 20 years. And you want more. Okay. I mean... Then you get this study. How much time? I don't have enough time. Um, then you get this uh, uh, thing. Claire Strempel over at uh, Alaska Beacon has got this article about the, uh, the, the charter schools report card. 
Paul Peterson, director of Harvard's Education and Policy Governance Program, came and testified before the legislature about a week and a half ago, two weeks ago. And when he did this study on charter schools across the country, he was not expecting Alaska, whose public schools consistently rank in the lowest performing category, 48th, 49th, 50th, they did not expect Alaska's charter schools to be number one. Did not expect it. And immediately, of course, the people from the Alaska Association of School Boards, because we got to protect the industrial complex, were questioning the study about, oh, how does this, I mean, we just don't even, I, <laughs> I, I just don't know. I mean, I could, I, ha, I could have a whole segment on just this story alone. Maybe I'll save this for later. We'll, we'll talk about this. All right, well, I got to go. Hour two is dead ahead. The Michael Duke Show. Common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Mike Shower's up next. Stick around. Okay, I mean, God Almighty, Just, I don't even know what to say. Um, I'm going back here. Winds were scary fast last night. However, there was much rain and a trace of snow. It's 35 degrees in Kenai. Oof. Yeah, I mean, it rained so hard on... Oh, is it Tuesday night to Monday night, but whatever it was. And then it snowed yesterday morning. That made it fun. And then here, you know, here the rest of it is. It's just one of those things. All right. Let me see if I can. Let's see if this thing actually works. Hello. Good morning. This thing never works the first time. I always have to call you back. So call me back. give me a second. I don't know what the. I don't know why it's just so irritating why it doesn't work on the first time, but it never does. There we go. See, I don't know why. I don't know what the deal is. I have no clue. So irritating. But here we are. Good morning. How are you? I am fine. How are you? Fine. That was a long pause for a very subdued answer. That's because I tried to swallow my own tongue right before that, and I was coughing. I was trying not to blow everybody's ears out. Um, <laughs> Got it. So there you go. Hey, how uh, how's it how's how's it going down there in opposite land? <laughs> I swear to God, these people. Uh, I was talking to who was we talking to? Some folks from Fairbanks last night that were coming through that are trying to. Um, you like said, lobby has got a dirty, you know, it's like a dirty four letter connotation these days, but lobbying in itself isn't evil, right? It's like saying a gun's evil or money's evil. It's like the use of, you know, what you do with it is what matters, but they were lobbying for what I think is a good bill, which is one that's trying to prevent. There's some people trying to do the real estate tax 
uh, thing like when you sell a house, they want to allow municipalities, the state to tax the, the transaction, which could be tens of thousands of dollars in the cost of a house, as if real estate isn't expensive enough. Anyways, good bill supporting that one. Um, but uh, we were talking about something. They said, well, how is it here? And we were going through the question you just asked. I said, have you ever seen the stranger things? They go, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. This is the upside down. That's where I'm at in June. Right <laughs> this now. is the upside down. I've got, I feel that for sure. I mean, it's like everything is just, it's just opposite. It, the whole thing is opposite it's, world. It just, it doesn't yeah, even. It's, it's just not, it's not, it's not reality. It's not. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's the upside down. Yeah. Really. Um, so. All right. Let me, I got to center this. My OCD is triggered right now. I'm trying to make sure this is right. Okay. Uh, yeah, no, it is. Um, <clears throat> I, I'm just, I'm looking at this and I see these comments and I was just, I don't know if you were listening, but I was just reading this comment on um, where David Eastman says, you know, if we're going to increase this funding for this schooling, would we expect an increase in performance? And Andy Josephson said, oh my God, I'm so bothered by the idea that these kids are widgets and then we could just make the widget cheaper and faster. Somehow we'll spit out a better. That's not what anybody said, but you know. That's the thing. They do not want metrics at all, man. They don't want, they want zero accountability for any of this. It's just, it's astonishing. Uh, no, Michael, they don't want accountability because then that means you have to show metrics of performance and how you're spending the money. The unions, the administrators, the superintendents, the whoever, I don't really put a lot of blame on the teachers because that's, you know, other than supporting the unions, maybe, you know, full tilt, you know, for some of them, they're kind of, they're widgets, right? And the the cogs in the machine. But the reality, Mike, is if you have accountability, then we start to know where the money's being spent. We know how it's being spent. We know whether or not it's being spent in the best way and where the performance is working and where it isn't. They don't want that. I mean, how your kids, you give them, you know, an allowance, right? You don't want to, they don't want to tell you that they spent it all on candy, when they were supposed to use it for something else or save it. You know I mean? That's the point, Mike. A lot of people don't want somebody digging in their business with uh, accountability because it means they're going to have to explain their actions. Why did you spend money this way? How come you didn't do that when you were supposed to, or it's better? So yeah, who wants accountability with the whole thing, Mike? Because then you just throw money at it. And guess what? As I've said many times, if you think for one second that a lot of these legislators, like the one you just mentioned, aren't giving payback to the big unions that support them, that lean mostly left, that support mostly Democrats. Because you can look at one guy and say, I'm an independent. I'm like, really? Mm. Because I look at your APOC report and it's all Democrats. And it's all Democrat packed and it's all Democrat union. And you <laughs> vote with the Democrats that. and caucus with that. the Democrats and hang out with the Democrats. Don't <clears throat> tell me you're not a Democrat. Hey, don't, hey, don't so, do that. You know. That's don't do that. That's my camouflage. That's I'm not don't don't <laughs> rub against that. That's my camouflage. That is nothing. Yeah, you know, um, but you know, don't come on, man. I mean, at least at least tell something that's not true that is hard to prove. Because when you say one thing and I could just look and report and go, no, you're not. I yeah. mean, that's that's just ridiculous. And so but it is that's what a lot of it's about, Mike. It's about paying back unions and, and others that support them. And it's about propping up. It's, it's about propping up the education industrial complex. I'm using that phrase from now on because it, it is like the military industrial complex. It's the education industrial. They are protecting themselves from everything else, regardless of what they're producing or what's going on. As long as they are protected, it's all good. Tuckerman says only 95 out of 100 as far as funding. That's what Alaska got number two in funding. 
It's apoc. Who said the apocalypse quote? I know somebody else quoted that earlier. I need to go back and pull that. I want to know it's a, if it's an apocalypse. I want to know who said that so I can go pull that quote. Uh, so whoever said it earlier to me, posted it in the chat room. I need to know who who said that so I can go pull it. All right, we got to go. Don't don't go anywhere. The Michael Duke Show continues right now. Here we go. Buddy, put that thing back in its holster. We haven't gone anywhere. I don't understand. Check out the MichaelDukesShow.com for information on how to get access to the podcast. Welcome to the party, pal. The, the Michael Dukes Show. The greed and the entitlement is astounding to me. What more could you want from a low-budget radio program? This is a dumpster fire. That was just BS. It is time to get a new perspective. We know just what you need, and we've got just the cure. Open wide and prepare for a steaming hot cup of freedom. I just don't fathom it. The Michael Dukes Show, streaming live across the world. Live around the world on the internet at MichaelDukesShow.com and across the state of Alaska on this favorite radio station and or FM translator. Good morning and welcome to it, hour two of the big radio broadcast, uh, The Michael Duke Show. Uh, good morning and thank you for coming in and joining us. A couple of quick announcements. If you are down on the peninsula, there's a whole lot of stuff uh, going on down there. Schools are closed. Uh, in the Seward area, Moose Pass, Seward Elementary, Seward High, and Seward Middle School are all closed. If you're down on the lower peninsula, southern peninsula, they've got a two-hour delay today. All staff and students should arrive at school two hours later than normal. Bus route pickup times are two hours later than normal. If you don't think it's safe for your kid to travel to school when school is open, please keep your students at home. The following schools are... Uh, uh, are affected by this two-hour uh, delay. Chapman School, Fireweed Academy, Homer Flex, Homer High, Homer Middle School, Ketchum Axelo, McNeil, Canyon Elementary, Nanilchik School, Paul Banks, Razdolna uh, School, uh, Vanesenka School, West Homer Elementary School, and Nikolaevskis. <laughs> I screwed it up. Nikolaevsk School. Nikolaevsk. Nikolaevsk school. It is closed for two hours. You will be late for two hours today to Nikolaevsk. Uh, anyway, <clears throat> those schools. Uh, plus, if you're up in the uh, up in the uh, south central area in the Matsu, uh, apparently all the schools are closed from Willow to Talkeetna because they got like a million inches of snow overnight. So that's that's that. Secondly, this Saturday in Fairbanks, Dennis Prager's coming to town. I've got tickets. I've got two pairs of tickets to the luncheon. And anybody who can get to Fairbanks by 1130 on Saturday that wants to win the tickets, not people who are down another part. I had some people say, I want a ticket. And I'm like, well, OK, it's in Fairbanks. Oh, well, I can't go. Well, then I, if you want tickets, you have to send me an email. Me at MichaelDukeShow.com. The subject line must say, pick me. You must tell me why you deserve the tickets in the body of the email, and you must include your name 
and your guest's name. If any of those things aren't there, you don't qualify. So pick me in the subject line, why you need it in the body of the email, why, why you deserve it. I mean, this is going to be arbitrary, but I'm just making decisions here. And finally, you must include your name and the name of your guest. If any of those things aren't there, you're out the door. Okay. Also, if you're a member of the Common Sense Corps, I have two tickets for somebody who's in the Common Sense Corps in Fairbanks. Uh, go to the Common Sense Corps Facebook page and uh, claim those tickets. They're right there. There, 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 there you go. There you go. There you go. All right. <clears throat> Hour two. Uh, it's normally Wednesday, but now it's Thursday. But Mike Shower is with us, and he's here to tell us all about everything. I mean, I this is not fair to Mike because I came off of a tear in the last hour, and I'm just kind of dumping it right on him. Uh, Mike, uh, this whole idea, and you were actually you actually proposed this last half of the session that you would increase the student allocation, you would support that if they had some metrics and some accountability and they had some things where, you know, we, we're not, you know, we want to match the funding and we want to, you know, link the funding increase to outcomes, to score outcomes. Like we want you to produce a good product and you'll get more money if you produce a good product and you will immediately riddled with proverbial bullets, right? I mean, this is this is a no, this is a non-starter for most of the people in the legislature. Well, yeah, Mike. I mean, look, I, like devils in the details, right? I'm not automatically for raising the BSA, but like I told you, I'm willing to entertain that thought if if there were some things we want. Because look, the BSA increase, like we were talking on the break, is mostly big unions. Um, you know, a lot of payback going on for legislators that got support, but from those unions, from money and manpower to get elected or reelected, everybody knows that you're, you know, just don't try to sit here and lie to say, well, that's not, that's not, how, yeah, that's absolutely how it works. We all know that nobody's stupid enough to, to not know that's, that's, this is about payback and, you know, that kind of stuff. But that being said, I can look at the BSA increase and I might be able to vote for that. I'm not going to say I would yet. I liked the $300 number they had versus the 680 because that's about 70, 75 million versus the 175 million that a 680 increases roughly. So, um, and remember, that's then we're stuck with it. That's not like a one time thing. We can go up and down based yeah, on how the economy yeah. is doing. That's we're, right. we're stuck with that sucker. That's forever. Um, forever. Yeah. Like all the other spending we're looking at forever. But yes, the work that the House Republican majority did to put in things for charter school, homeschooling, a whole bunch of really good stuff um, with a modest BSA increase, talking to them and looking at it, I probably, probably could have voted for that with the transparency and the reporting requirements that were looking to be included in that. Like you said, I proposed that, um, was shot down, of course, in the Senate and shot down by the Democrats and shot down by the press and every other, you know, left of center person out there. But um, the real, and you know, funny, Mike, I didn't get a lot of teachers coming through my office, uh, when the, all the lobbyists were here either. That was kind of interesting. I should say teachers, a lot of, you know, NEA types and others, but, um, I, it's almost like they knew what I was going to say. <laughs> um, <Right. laughs> so, um, but the reality is, is like, you know, they think, well, you just, you know, it's like, I always say, you no, know, my joke now it's for the children. You know, when I say something on the floor, that's important because how do you argue that Mike, you just, you got to give them more money. You got to give them whatever they want because it's for the children. And yes, that is sarcasm. But my point is Mike is like spending money, like all things, like, like us, like us on the radio program right now, talking people, your listeners, you might want to spend money on something, but what you're not going to do is go to the car dealership and go, I need a new car. 
And they go, okay, give me $85,000. I'll give you one. Well, can I see what the car is going to be? No. Can I see what's in the car? No. Can I see what the terms of the uh, papers? No. Just give me the money and trust me. That's kind of what's going on here, like buying a house or anything else. You would never do this in your personal life. You would never just throw money at a problem. You wouldn't just keep giving money to your kids. The example I used in the break for, for more you know, allowance that they spent it all in the first week and it's supposed to last a month, right? Kind of the same thing. It's like, well, wait a minute. I, I gave you a hundred bucks and then that's for the month. They go, well, I've, I've spent it all. On what? I can't tell you. I'm not going to tell you. You'd be like, screw you. I'm not giving you more money. Deal with it. But this is how we do work here in the state and, and government in general. It's like, well, just give us more money. Well, uh, tell me what happened. How did you spend it? Why did you spend it? Why are you out? And by the way, you promised me a nice pickup truck for that 85000 Instead, you gave me a Ford Pinto. That's not exactly what I was looking for um, in performance for this vehicle here. So using the analogies, Mike, to try to get it across is that we are – Spending money that is not providing a good product, that is not the same, like you said, and I want to keep that be clear on that. I've learned to not broad brush it. I've said that before in the program. Not every school district is the same. Not every school is the same. Some are doing better than others. Charter schools and, and homeschools knocking it out of the park. You know, backpack funding to make sure kids can go through. Targeting funding to the districts that actually need it versus other, which we can do by law, by the way. Hold another story we'll talk about later. Um, so we have options. But right now, the answer is from this legislature, the majorities in this legislature, I should say, um, of the Senate and the minority in the House, is just throw money at it for different reasons, as we illuminated a few minutes ago. But just throw money, no accountability, no transparency, no performance metrics, no, no better for other kids in the system for homeschooling and charter school. Just give the system more money. You would never do that in your personal life. Why would you do that when you govern, Mike? It is not good governance we have to do better than that that's my pitch i think it's reasonable that's the thing i think it's reasonable i mean looking at this new bob griffin article which i don't know if you saw and must read i just somebody just brought it to my attention this morning uh i mean looking at the amount of money that we spend we're number two in the country 95 out of a possible 100 score on this school funding for what they call funding adequacy 95 out of 100, number two in the country. Florida is down at the bottom. I mean, they are ranked dead last. And despite that, they still have a much higher, um, you know, uh, uh, they have a much higher uh, 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 achievement, scholastic achievement at the end of this thing. And yet nobody wants to. It's always the answer is just more money. Well, we, you, you just hate the children. You just want them to become widgets. You just want us to make them cheaper and faster and do all this. No, I want you to do a good job with the money that you're given. Once you chose show that you could do well with the money that you have been given. Then maybe we could talk about giving you more, but until then, wh why? Why would we? Why would we ever want to give you more money? I mean, that this is a. I thought that's a legitimate question. I really did. It is a legitimate question, Mike, and there are answers, and and there are some things that make it more. And I don't want to use the word complicated because that's what we always say, right? Well, you just don't understand. It's complicated. No, I'm not going to do that. But I'm going to acknowledge there are challenges, right? So let's go to a, a remote school district that's way out in the bush. Yes, I get it fuel, food, you know, buildings, heating, all that stuff is more expensive. They need extra to be able to pay for because they're way up. I understand that. They say, well, we don't want to pay. For well, that's the reality of the state. That's the way the state's set up. We have this massive state geogra you know, ge um, geographic wise as far as size and distance. 
yes, some school districts need more money for some. Some don't. The Matsu does a really good job. We're underfunded, really, compared to most of them in that sense. Right. So there are things like that that, yeah, they do need extra funding for certain things. I get that. And to entice teachers to be out there, I go back to my point, then why don't we target that money? How can they all have the whole system has to get the same thing when some need it and some don't? That's the one of the first problems we have with that, right? You got to acknowledge the battlefield. It's a little different. It is more challenging for some districts than others based on some of those logistical type things that you have to deal with. Um, and some don't need that same amount. So why couldn't we target? And by the way, the ones we would target the money are the smallest ones, which ironically would be cheaper for us as a state because we'd be focusing money on the places that have less children, right, to be schooled, but they're the more expensive ones. When you don't need that money in Anchorage or Anchorage should take care of itself and not continue to build buildings that they don't need when they're actually losing students to homeschooling and charter schools and moving to the Matsu because Anchorage has lost its doggone mind. So you, you, it's a broader thing to look at, Mike. And one of the problems, another one of the problems is we try to pound the square peg in a round hole. It's like all school districts are the same. They're all going to get the same funding no matter what. And right, go, That's right, not a good right. answer. Because there's no flexibility in the system. In addition to no transparency or very little and no accountability, there's no flexibility because we're not allowed to target. We don't, we, we actually are, but we don't target the ones that actually need it and then do those things. And then, like I said, when you add, Mike, the final nail in the coffin to me is when you add that we are one of the highest expense K through 12 systems in the nation, spend about the most of any state in the nation. And all they want to do is throw money at the same system that's gobbled up without that flexibility, transparency, or accountability, and without giving the teachers that actually need the money for uh, recruitment and retainment have not gotten the raises while we've increased spending by a third over the last two decades. Why, in God's good name, would you actually improve or increase funding for that same system with no accountability or changes? Because they're just going to gobble up. The money like they did before and the teachers aren't going to get it and that's what i don't understand the teachers support of the nea because the nea for all of their talk has never had a hard push to make sure the teachers get the money they just want the money in the system because then guess what the union gets the money because they get it via dues and all that stuff right so i don't understand how people go we just throw more money at the system the system isn't doing any of the things we just talked about for the last 10 minutes if we're not going to do that you're not going to change anything. And if you're not going to change anything, you're not going to be successful, most likely, in improving your metrics. So it none of this makes sense to me at all, which is why I could support probably what was coming from the House. It was a modest PSA increase. Right. Didn't go crazy because we haven't learned all of these other things we're discussing, transparency, flexibility, accountability. Um, but it had some really good stuff in it, Mike, talking to folks as far as charter schools and other things that we really, really need to do. And so I feel I'm... I'm you know, just I hope that something comes out of the House. They're able to find some agreement. But, you know, you've got the House minority, um, you know, working with the Senate majority to undercut this whole thing, because the Senate majority seems to just want to do the same thing as the House minority. They just even with those all the Republicans that are in the Senate majority, um, it's like just spend money. I'm like, I just don't understand this, man. I don't. It doesn't pass. the Like I said, Mike, doesn't pass the common sense test. It just doesn't. Uh, Mike Showers, our guest state senator from District O, is it OMG? Uh, we are about to uh, go to break and come back. When we return, um, I don't know what we're going to continue to talk about. It may be education, it may be defined benefits, it may be uh, election stuff, it may be, I don't know. You're going to have to. 
you're gonna have to wait. You're gonna have to wait to find out. You have to come back and find out what we're gonna talk about. It'll be something good, and we will continue. The Michael Duke Show, common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. We'll return with more in Mike Shower right after this. Listened to by more staffers in Juno than any other show. Because their bosses told them to. And after what they just heard, oh man, they're gonna be pissed. You're a bad, bad man. The Michael Duke Show. Okay, <clears throat> Mike Shower is our guest. Um, Harold. There are zero requirements for any of the 54 districts to focus on classrooms and classrooms support. Uh, he says the BSA. I, I can't argue with that. Yeah, the BSA isn't the magic lever to improve schools. The BSA is simply the end factor to calculate the cost differential across the state. He says school performance isn't going to increase. In fact, the proposals on the table will be crushing school performance for the foreseeable future. Uh, I mean, it's one of the few times that I agree with everything that Harold's saying on this stuff. I mean, we've got, you know, th this BSA, they keep acting like it's for the children, but it's it has nothing to do with the actual education outcomes. This money is not mandated. In fact, most of the time, the lion's share of this money never makes it into the individual classrooms to teach the students. This is about propping up support staff, administration, and the actual brick-and-mortar costs of the schools and keeping them open and expanding them. That's what it's about. It's not about making things more efficient or doing more with what they have. It's about keeping what they have going. Well, I'm not really going to try to argue with that, Mike, because I think that's probably valid. And, you know, that's state in general. I mean, do you see the big public unions and the rest of them all talking about how we're going to have more accountability and we're going to do better job of stuff? Nope. The answer is always just we want more money. Uh, that's that's typically what they say. So, and right now you have a legislature that seems to be majority full of those that are just fine spending more money. And you know, I'm going to go back and we'll talk about this in the radio because what are we going to talk about in the next uh, the next segment? But I'll ask you this question, Mike. Remember the movie Gladiator? And uh, he's at the beginning of the movie after the big battle. You know, they go in this the, the couple senators talking to. Uh, the the young guy that's not the emperor yet because but he kills his dad a little later right and he's like be careful talking to this senator he'll just say republic republic and you know they get one guy's going well why not you know Rome was founded as a republic I feel like sitting here a lot we are like that except instead of saying republic it's public I like around here the answer is always like public the public it's all about the public sector right that's all we talk about where is the discussion anywhere in the alaska legislature about the private sector about limiting government regulation growth expense at the cost of the private sector that really does fund everything it's a handful of public sector employees compared to the amount of people that work in the private sector but nowhere in juno 
Nowhere in the legislature are we sitting here talking about, let's take care of the private sector. Let's do what's best for the private sector. Where's the discussion, Mike? Well, because everything it, here is always about the public because sector. Because it doesn't matter. Time. Because it doesn't matter, Mike. Because the public and the private sectors are completely disconnected and divorced. Because they don't draw any revenue from the, from the private sector, so they don't care what happens to the private sector. Private sector can crash and burn for all they care. They've got all the money coming in that they need. And as long as there are service industries that are providing services to the state, they may care about that. GCI, et cetera, but they don't care about anything else. Why would it matter? What would it matter if the whole private sector burned down tomorrow? Wouldn't matter a thing to them. They're still getting their money from the from the earnings reserve, from the oil companies. They don't care. That's the problem. Well, the oil companies are part of the private sector, Mike. Last time I checked, that's that's where they work. They're they're not government employees. Those oil companies are uh, private sector. Um, your ancillary industries across the board are private sector your health industry generally speaking is private sector your um, mechanics your uh, grocery stores your gas stations your entertainment industry those are all private sector things we rely upon so i understand what you're saying and i know it's kind of a rhetorical question but the reality is without a private sector you don't have a public sector now, Alaska is a little unique, right? And you're mentioning that because we have this massive permanent fund that we're now going to take every penny for, again, yelling private public sector, right? It's all public sector. And that, that makes us unique because we have money to pull on that a lot of states don't. So was that the bell going off? That was the bell. Can you believe it? That's five, I'll, it's, I'll hold on. That's five minutes right there. All right. Um, we're going to continue. Mike Schauer is our guest, uh, and then we'll give him free reign on the, not like he didn't have free reign the last segment, but we're going to give, <laughs> we'll give him free reign in the final segment to talk about whatever the hell he wants to talk about. Here we go. The Michael Duke show, common sense, liberty-based free thinking radio. Let's do this. Public anima number one. Oh wait, sorry. Uh, enemy, public enemy number one, which makes more sense. On the other hand, he's a little bit of a pain in the uh, Michael Duke show. Re- re- negative. That's that's false. That's fake news. I'm not a pain in the anything. I am a perfect angel. Uh, we're continuing now. State Senator Mike Schauer is our guest, and he apparently wanted to ask me a question to start off this segment. And so we'll, we'll, I mean, I don't know if it's rhetorical or not, but Mike, go ahead. You want to ask me a question? I'm here to answer it. Go ahead. Did I say that? What did I say? Remind me. You said you wanted to ask ask me the question. Why are they not talking about, why are they constantly talking about the public sector, but never Ah, talking about the private sector? So that was your question to me. Yeah, I gave you the example of of the movie Gladiator. Right. At the beginning of the movie, after the big battle scene, they're they're talking there, and it's Maximus, him with, like, two senators, and who's going to be emperor, the young guy that ends up killing his dad, you know, later in the, you know, the scene, and uh, becomes emperor. And he's like, look, he's like, don't talk to this senator, because if you do, he's just going to say, republic, republic. And the senator goes, well, why not? Rome was once founded as a republic. You know, he's kind of talking that way. And I feel like that here in Juneau under different circumstances, like when you walk around the legislative building, it's always like the public sector, the public sector. And I'm looking at it going, yeah, but, but the private sector, well, the public sector, that's all we talk about here, Mike, everything in this building, where's the conversation, where's the focus, where's the discussion on the private sector, the part that really matters, the part that actually does fund government, because even the permanent fund came from the private sector, from the oil companies that built this doggone state, right? 
Without the private sector, Mike, there is no entertainment. There's no grocery stores. There's no gas stations. All of the things we actually rely upon, because I heard somebody on your program yesterday, I think it was, Randy was talking about, well, you know, all those great government services that we get. I'm like, really, Randy, where? Tell me that. I've never called the police. I've never called the fire department. Um, Other than, I guess you could say, the roads that get plowed and maintained, because that's a collectively bigger thing than any of us can afford to do on our own, unless you have a long driveway. Then you're then you're on your own for that one. So where the if you don't have kids in school, we homeschooled most our kids most of the time. So we paid most of that out of pocket because without backpack funding, because again the NEA NEA wants to keep it all for the the brick and mortar schools, right? They don't want you to have your children to be responsible for it, education. So where is all the money that we get for that, Randy? I mean, other than the tax people that come around, they're pretty diligent in doing their duties to make sure they take money from you. What's all the government services we really get? Because I would argue, and it is a statistical fact, that most people, it only well, I should say it this way, the, there is a small majority of the people that take most of the government services. Most of us use very little government service, with the exception of a big thing like an airport or you know, maintenance of the roads. And we have all agreed that you know, we're going to do that collectively with the government because, again, it's just this bigger thing. It's defense, national defense, right? You, you're not going to stand against an army by yourself that invades your shore. So you have certain things we've agreed over the over time that we're going to do these things as a, a citizenry when people go well but the state funding it's all about those government services i go really what, what what exactly do you use for those state services some people send their kids to school right but not everybody now, there's some people don't have kids some people like I said homeschool and do charter schools not in private schools so it's not the same mike with that when they talk about it but everything i go back to Without a private sector, there is no public sector. Don't even need it, right? It would just be a barren island somewhere with nobody around. But the discussions in Juneau and the legislature, I mean, almost everything we do here, when we discuss this, it's about the public right. sector. And we've had how to, we're going to take yeah. care of the public sector. How right. are we going to take care of those government jobs? How are we going to raise taxes for this to pay for all this stuff? You know, but when we start discussing the PFD, whoa, 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 buddy. Hey, come on now. That money's going into the private sector. We don't want that. You know, we gotta we gotta limit that. And by the way, if we're gonna have that supersized PFD, which is could also be called AKA following the statute, right. the law, the gargantuan. Yeah, that, we're gonna have to tax for that. The gargantuan. So the... You don't want to put money into the private sector, but you're fine with doing the public sector. I'll stop my rant. I'm off the soapbox, but gosh darn well, it, that just well, really gets. Mm. And it's because Alaska is so unique in the fact that they have direct control of the monies that are coming into the state. It doesn't have to go through the people's hands. The public and the private economies are completely divorced. The only ones that are benefiting uh, in the long run and who are really part of this are the service industries or companies that have built their entire business model around uh, government uh, spending, government contracts like you know, GCI, Quintillion, all these other other companies. And, you know, the oil companies, they're making money. They're making good money. They don't want anything jiggered there. They want to leave it alone. But they don't care about the public. If the private economy was nothing more than the service industry that allowed the state to function, the legislature would be just fine with that. If there was one grocery store that served all the government employees and want, you know, if there was one of everything, they would be fine and they don't care. Uh, because unlike every other state where they have to draw their revenues from the pub from the public, from the private sector, they just it doesn't matter to them. And as long as their stuff is protected and they are protecting their spend, uh, regardless of what the outcome is, this goes back to, again, to the metrics and the achievements is school uh, scores in school. As long as they're protected, 
That's all they care about. It doesn't matter if they have fewer kids. doesn't matter if they have a lesser demand for that product. You can't ever fire anybody. You've always got to protect those people. And it doesn't matter. The private sector can do what it wants. It could burn for all they care. That's basically the bottom line. But isn't that so short-sighted when you think about it, Mike? Because at the end of the day, without the private sector, the public sector will fail. It, there's only so much money to draw on. And even like sitting and go back, well, we got the permanent fund. You do, but if you were relying on just the permanent fund earnings for funding this government, you're going to chop it nearly in half. So there goes your public sector as well. Um, if you were to kill the oil industry, which we seem to be, you know, on this, we're hell bent on doing that in this nation, not let, not always, not everybody in the state necessarily, but even some people in the state and in the legislature now are green and anti oil. You know, they don't always say it out loud because they know that's not going to be a popular position. But, you know, I mean, again, Mike, take out the funding from royalties and taxes um, and, and see where that puts us budget wise in the state. You want to talk about some spending cuts? Oh, boy. Let's just chop a third of the state spending gone right off the top. There ain't going to be no more BSA increases. There's not going to be much of anything. And by the way, a whole bunch of people are going to leave, too, because there's no more jobs. So everything has consequences that's a lot of what we were discussing yesterday with those real estate folks you know it's like these things where people go i i want to pass this law so that we can tax you know these transaction transaction taxes say that three times real fast for trying to you know allow municipalities and the state depending on how the you know was to work out the ability to tax you know the sale of a house it could be twenty thirty thousand dollars people can't afford to live as it is you know and you look at the price of of goods as it is, right? And how much that costs. So now you want to have a transition tax. I look at it, so that depresses what? That depresses the real estate market. It makes it harder for people to buy a house. It's going to mean realtors have a harder time making any money. It's going to mean builders are not going to be able to build more houses because it's going to be harder for them because it's going to be more expensive, which means you're not going to be able to get that cheap housing you're looking for. Put people That's going to depress the entire economy. It's going to affect all the other ancillary jobs that come with the money that people make those jobs that then they spend on other services. So the whole thing has unintended consequences because you had a feel-good bill right. or you wanted to do something that was better well, or whatever well. it is. But we're not thinking about the effect on the private sector in the long term, which affects everything. Let me doing. I'm watching. I read it in one of the news services yeah. yesterday. They were complaining to Biden, telling him this this overregulatory, you know, administration that you have become is going to cost us a million jobs. While they're up there, oh, we've had the best recovery ever. No, your recovery, Mr. Biden, was when COVID had no jobs because we destroyed our economy because of stupid policies, and this was the bounce back of people going back to work. You didn't create new jobs. This was just after COVID, people going back to work. But now you got the big manufacturers, those looking at Biden, go, you're going to kill a million jobs with your regulations. Nobody wants to think about the private sector, the right. consequences well, of the actions. Let me take off. Let me take off my rose-colored glasses for a minute and say, maybe, just maybe, that's by design. I mean, if you really wanted a, an economy where you could control everything. And you wanted to protect the private economy at all costs or the public economy at all costs. Wouldn't it make sense to force out a lot of the private economy people and make sure that then you only had to provide, you know, lesser. You didn't have people that were drawing on the government spend for that. Instead, you could just keep that government spend bolstering up the contracts and the other things and do everything else. You have to serve less people. And so less people actually benefit you in the long run because you have fewer people and, and, and to to service. And so you could still spend the money, but you have to service less. I mean, it, it, maybe that's maybe that's part of the plan. I mean, I'm just saying maybe that's part of the plan. Uh, maybe. 
maybe some people might. I mean, who knows what's in somebody's mind, you know, what's in their hearts. I don't know. It's like I told people it's hard to, it's hard to judge that or to know because people don't necessarily tell you the truth. I know that's a big shocker to your audience um, that everybody's not always honest, but it is, there is so much, listen to Sullivan's speech yesterday, right? And I know not everybody likes Sullivan and, you know, they got their issues. Nobody's ever going to be happy with everybody. That's just reality of the life we live. But, you know, he had a message there that I thought was pretty good and, and part of it. And it was like the amount of opportunities, because I agree with him. And I've been saying this, you and I have on the program and others. There are so many opportunities in this state for Alaska to just be booming economically and be the Texas of the North. If we would simply get government out of the way, right, between the oil and gas industry, between the coal industry, when China's permitting two new coal plants a week right now, and we can't build a dam, a refinery, a pipeline, a bridge, um, anything in this state, and they can't dig a new mine, all these things we desperately need as a nation, right, for the geopolitic, um, geopolitics of strategy both national security and international security look at energy right mike sullivan mentioned this he was just sitting with the german chancellor i think two weeks ago he said and the german chancellor was like you know we were relying on the united states for our energy natural gas so that they would be a hedge against russia for those that say well, well like what russia is doing well you know when you do your stupid policies here in the u.s you democrats or leftists or whoever you are and you don't allow us to dig or to drill well, guess what? You're giving that money and that power to Putin. You're giving it to Xi in China. You're giving it to the mullahs in Iran and Venezuela. Why? Because if when America is doing it better and cleaner, because we do, and we're energy independent and we're giving energy to our allies, Japan, South Korea, Germany, et cetera, et cetera, then they don't have to rely on Russia or China or Iran or anybody else. Those BRIC nations working together, right? Because they can rely on us. But when the Biden administration... Um, actually shuts down permitting on LNG products to supply this to our allies, what do you think they're going to do, Mike? They don't have a choice. They have economies to keep moving. They have people to feed. They have houses to heat and, and electricity to, to produce. So without us actually being energy independent and producing these things here, which we could do hugely in Alaska with all the potential we have, then we can't. The point is we could be booming in this state. If the federal government would get on board with a state that would get out of the way and entice people to come up here, we could be producing new mines, rare earths and other minerals that we desperately need. We could be producing oil and gas. We're burning off gas on the, on the North Slope and pumping it back underground. Right? We have 500-something years of known low-sulfur low coal in Alaska that we could dig and use and sell to China at our price or power clean coal coal plants for cheap electricity to help us heat our homes and turn the lights on. We have fishing and logging. There are so much potential in this state. There's military stuff coming in, talking about different things with the amount of government work because we are such a strategic location. And it seems like people are starting to wake up to that. And what's happening in the Arctic with the deep water port, where we have uh, commerce right. going through the northern routes right. for a change. There are so many things that we could be doing in Alaska to boom and to grow our economy and to be just this massive stalwart of the north right that's a bulwark against russia and china and the things that are happening and providing energy security which is national security which is international security but we don't we have a federal administration that's just like anti-alaska everything sullivan said what 56 or 57 we sat down and talked to him after the thing yesterday for a bit individual executive orders targeted alaska 
That's about as many as almost the rest of the states combined. Yeah, it is. He's not wrong when he says it's a, you know, the Biden administration has a war against Alaska, right? And it's all about resource development and other things. And then right here, we can't make our minds up about what we're going to do, right? And uh, move forward on the energy policy and a comprehensive fiscal policy that we need to provide stability so businesses want to come here and invest. So it's just, there's all the, Mike, we've spent a billion dollars, a billion dollars of state money on the, on the gas line in Alaska. We haven't put the first shovel in the ground to move dirt yet. No, but we, but we made That's a lot a of, but we made a lot of people rich studying the study that they studied before <laughs> to study the second study that they put on the shelf from the, I mean, it, it, you're not, you're not wrong, my friend. You are not wrong. All right. That brings us up to the, this brings us, brings us up to the Woo-hoo, next break. I, a whole segment. I know you get a whole <laughs> segment now to say whatever you want. I mean, not that you haven't been saying whatever the hell you want to begin with, but here we go. We're going to jump into it. We're going to be back in just a second. The Michael Duke show common sense, Liberty based free thinking radio. We return with more and Mike shower right after this. Running on 100% pure beard power. Oh, also some coffee. We dip our beard in coffee. Ha, <laughs> nice beard. The Michael Duke Show. Mike Shower is our guest. Um, I think that uh, Barbara actually lays it down here. She says, <clears throat> or no, not Barbara, I'm sorry, Brian. Brian says, in general... The, poli- the political class doesn't have to care about the private sector, as Rob Myers pointed out in his discussions of the economics of the state. But I'll proffer that the political class doesn't need to care because the private sector can't hurt them, not politically anyway. They treat the private sector in the same way one would treat a yapping dog. I think that pretty much sums it up right there in a nutshell. Well, I mean, yeah, and and think about it in this sense, Mike, the private sector could have massive influence on the elected officials in the state if they would only step up and do something about it because they tend to want to be nice to everybody and they don't want to make any elected officials angry that might, you know, maybe vote against policies or, you know, for policies that hurt the private sector or their business. I mean, it's that little bit of thing, right? Tail wagging the dog. It is if the private sector would step up and get involved politically to the to the to the effect of supporting or opposing elected officials that were going to hurt the private sector then they would have influence if they would support PACs if they would look at you know officials and go if you support this stuff there's no way we can support you we're going to look for a better candidate they would have influence you think this doesn't happen at the national level look at all the big businesses out there mike on the national level federal level they give millions and yeah. millions of but the, dollars but there's to a candidate but there's a tipping point here in alaska because they don't want to i mean you see it with the chambers of commerce they tiptoe around some of this stuff and then they embrace some stuff that doesn't really make sense until you analyze it in the realization that what they're doing is they don't want to upset the apple cart of government monies coming to some of these bigger industries that support organizations like the chambers and stuff, because you might make somebody mad and you might lose that money. So they don't stand up. They don't see the long-term gain. All they see is the short-term gain and they don't want to upset the apple cart in that way. 
Well, that's true. But I'm going back to my question with, or back to the point, I guess, was that they could make a difference. They could be more effective and influential if they chose to. I'm talking specifically Alaska, not federal, not the other stuff in this state. The Chambers of Commerce, for example, Mike, for something like 20 years now, I remember Senator Hughes asking the question when the meetings were out, for like 20 years, the Chambers of Commerce said, our number one priority is spending cap. Well, how's that working out for you? Because they keep supporting the same candidates. I see the same candidates that talk about taking the PFD and never talk about a spending cap in the state, get supported by the chambers or invited to be their, their keynote speakers for things. I go, they've stood against the spending cap the whole time, but here you are supporting them. Here you are letting them come speak to you. If they're not going to take a stand, Mike, I don't have a lot of sympathy for them. Say, well, we need more you know, support for the private sector. We need more help for better policies. I'm like, well, if you don't stand against the legislators, the elected officials that you keep supporting, you're not going to get change. If you would stop inviting the same people over, if you would stop supporting the same elected officials, then perhaps we would see change. But they don't. My point goes back to you asked the question, well, could, well, yeah, we could make a difference if they would get involved. And that involvement could be just not supporting in any way at all, the current crop of elected officials that are not supporting the private sector that all are about the government. Because there's some Republicans, when they got to say, I remind you that I'm a Republican, why would you have to remind me? Shouldn't your actions show me that you're a Republican? Well, that leads us right to the, <laughs> kinda, that leads us right to the Republican Party being part of the problem as well. They keep supporting and sending money to candidates and and, and trying to deny. I mean, speaking to you directly, trying to deny incumbents an opportunity to get back in and instead funding the challengers who are obviously not part uh, not about the private sector. I mean, th- th- there are so many problems here, Mike, and nobody. You know, nobody's bringing it up. Nobody's fighting the nobody's fighting the the machine in this regard. Everybody's like, we got to go along to get along. We got to get ours while the getting's good. One day, it'll stop. But I mean, until you know, maybe. I mean, but you know, you got to. Sometimes there is that point, right, Mike? Sometimes you got to have that crash and burn before you the phoenix rises from the ashes because you you get rid of the you burn off the chaff right the chaff and the wheat got to throw it up and let the chaff be blown away sometimes it has to happen i'm not i'm not talking about like burn the nation down but sometimes you have to hit rock bottom right like an alcoholic sometimes they have to hit rock bottom to finally go i've got to clean up my act sometimes you got to hit that rock bottom even as a state uh, maybe to look at it and go we've right. crashed ourselves and we're going to have to do better i mean it's, it's you're not wrong to say that people or go along to get along, or they can't fight the machine. I, mean, I look at it, Mike, I've got one staff here and a minority. What do you expect me to do? I can be on the radio with you and highlight what's happening. I can put my no vote on the floor. I can put in amendments and do it. I don't even have any committees. Right. So it is hard to make the difference when you're one small cog in the wheel against a, a pretty big machine. So it's it's a it's a daunting challenge. What, I mean, it's not worth fighting. What, but what's your challenge. what's your topic in the next segment? Give it to me quick. I I, I don't know. Okay. Let's talk a little bit about some of the stuff Sullivan brought up. That's a recent one okay. from yesterday. All right, we'll we'll do that. Mike Showers, our guest, the Michael Duke Show, Common Sense, Liberty Based, Free Thinking Radio. Uh let's go. Here we go.
Okay, one final segment here. Mike Shower is our guest. He couldn't join us yesterday because he had a meeting with, uh, I guess, the governor and uh, D- Dan Sullivan and everything else. So you had this meet. Give us a rundown. What uh, what what were you talking about? You've mentioned Sullivan a couple times this morning uh, in some of his comments and remarks. So tell me what it was all about and uh, and give me the give me the rundown here, Mike. It's just good to hear, you know, on the federal delegation side, um, you know, because obviously, Dan, I have a connection on the military side, being veterans um, and very interested, you know, and I, I know sometimes it's funny. I see comments like on social media where it's like you need to focus more on local things. I'm like, well, then you're kind of ignoring how important the, the federal things are to us as a state and the people. It all affects us. Right. I mean, you got local issues, but you got national and you have international ones. And so you, you should, although we have very limited ability to do that here in Juneau, we don't have a lot of people that kind of think that way, we should be discussing these things and thinking about them because they do affect us. And so Sullivan brought a lot of that up because that's, of course, the level he's talking, you know, traveling all over and, you know, a lot of time with our allies overseas and here and the bigger issues. Some of the things he brought up were, which is why I mentioned it a little bit earlier, is the opportunities. You know, he was trying to be very optimistic. There's things you can just, you know, swirl down the toilet bowl pretty easy on, but he was trying to, you know, strike an optimistic tone, which I appreciate. Um, and, you know, he was talking, for example, and um, he made this uh, very pointed comment when we were discussing later um, about the the bill for funding what has, he said, uh, unfortunately become about funding Ukraine. He's like, he's taking a lot of heat from conservatives. He's like, I wish we would have not named it that or allowed it to be. He's like, because about 60% of the bill is directed at um, rebuilding the production capacity for the U.S. military, you know, building ships, submarines, weapons we're running out of, like he said, 155 millimeter shells. He brought it up like three times. He's like, we're running out of them. He's like, the Russians just got, you know, a million of them from North Korea because they've run out. And he's like, but we, we're, we're literally running out of the stock. Like we're rationing the shells. Probably not good. And a lot of other issues he brought up. But the point is, is like most of that funding of that bill was directed at um, the U.S. military, not to Ukraine. And they said there was another portion. He's like he was bringing up the roughly 27 or 30 senators that voted against that bill. And he said that they had some really good points. He's like he just decided that it was more important to, you know, vote for the bill and pass it because of the money that was directed at the U.S. side of it, not what was going on in Ukraine. He's like he has his, you know, pros and cons for that. But he said that uh, he didn't have any issue with the guys that voted against it. He said because they're thing wasn't about the money for the u.s and some of them you know oppose what's going on in ukraine that's or you know ukraine that's fine but he said it was about for them the border they wanted the border money in um to he's like because he did talk a lot about this absolute disaster which it is which is going on with the Biden administration on the southern border and he said that they wanted to see that and it wasn't included so their vote was it was a protest against the fact that, that that's not being included and that's a valid concern he said i mean he said it was one of those things that made him go oh you know it was like always the lesser of two evils right dan's choice was not provide you know about 60 plus percent of that funding to the u.s military that desperately needs to start restocking and rebuilding certain things um and you know the the money for the southern border wasn't included so you know of course negotiations with the house so it's just interesting to hear more (laughs) of the story because as always people say well that's one thing you know and they get mad about that one thing like well do you know the rest of the things because it's it's never that simple here in that case because there's always something that's christmas treat or some unintended consequence or something is not talked about and you go yeah but if i if I don't do that, then I hate the children. <laughs> right. The, well, put you in this boat because they're not stupid, Mike. They know how to set it up. 
Yeah. So it makes it hard for you to not vote yes. Right. Exactly. Because there's something you want, like in the education bill, right? right? And it's like, what the? Come on, man. Well, just make it simple, but the, we never do. I'll be honest with you. The one, th- the one problem that I had with the whole thing with the Ukrainian aid and all that kind of stuff is, <laughs> they were proposing to give Ukraine more money than the Marine Corps budget. The Marine Corps budget's about 53 million, uh, $53 billion. And the, they were going to no. give, they yeah. were going to give 60 billion to Ukraine. And I'm like, okay, wait a second. <laughs> wait, I want to support, you know, I want to support, you know, democratic, you know, I want it, but you're about to give the entire Marine Corps budget to a foreign country that we're going to have to borrow the money to give it to them. That's a problem. Yeah. They're not even saying we'll no, give it well, as a loan to Ukraine. We'll just give it to, and that's my, that's my problem here. Mike, you say that about almost all the federal spending, right? I mean, we're so over leveraged at this point. I mean, everything we're doing is is going to be put onto the backs of our kids and our grandkids and our great grandkids if we get that far. So that's a that's an issue with thirty five trillion in debt we're approaching. That's a you know you could say that about every penny of government spending right now on the federal level. We have put ourselves into an unsustainable, clearly and probably crash coming at some point to again. Hopefully not crash and burn, but at least crash in the sense of the alcoholic hit rock bottom and finally starts cleaning up their act, right? Because we are headed that way. So when we discuss that, like I said, I think we can make that comment about virtually all federal government spending. But we're at a point where we still have to spend money um, because if we don't, then we are going to prematurely earlier than we have to crash the system. And I know some people go, maybe we should, right? Quit kicking the can down the road. Just do it. But there are, again, like always. You have to consider the consequences to that, because if we falter like that, that's going to create a cascade effect around this planet that who knows what's going to happen. And what will China and Russia and, and Iran do at that point? Right. I mean, the, the the moves that people make on this, depending on what we do, there's a house of cards that could easily come tumbling down. So it's not just so simple to go, yeah, let it crash. Yeah, I don't know. I'm not a fan of, you know, the debt we're spending and where we're at and we should start raining some in. But, oh, my gosh, what do you do? Right. We have set ourselves up so precariously that every move we make could have ripple effects that could be disastrous, like the southern border. What did I just read this morning or last night, I think, on the southern border, it's been more people, more illegals have crossed the border in Biden's administration than the population of 36 states in this nation. (laughs) And just his, you know, three, three and a half years, three, three and a half years. I can't believe that people are just turning a blind eye to this. Mike, it is inundating us. It's happening in Europe too, to, to countries there that are being completely and utterly inundated by illegals that don't care, aren't part of the culture, aren't interested in becoming part of the culture. They're just going there to get what they can get and then turn the culture into where they came from. That's literally what's happening. I have no problem with immigrants that want to come here and learn to be citizens and come here to be a part of a, of a American culture of the values of a republic and law and order and working hard and all those kinds. Of, but that's not what most of them are doing. We know that. And we also know there is a significant percent of them that are coming here that are criminals released out of Venezuelan jails, for example. That's been proven. We know that's happened. Um, That are members of cartels and drug gangs that are coming up here and using this as an advantage to get placed into places. We know there are foreign actors and terrorists that are part of it. You know, is it millions? No. Is it thousands? Yeah. Thousands matter, Mike. Imagine just 1,000 terrorists placed across this nation that do a coordinated attack like October 7th like Hamas did in Israel. Imagine that in, to that scale in our nation, what that would do. That dwarfs September 11th and what happened. I mean, so everything has consequences for what we do. And the Biden administration and Democrats' absolute, absolute refusal to do anything about the border is, in my opinion, 
criminal. Yeah. They're breaking the law. They're not enforcing border policy. And what Texas and Florida are doing, sending these sanctuary cities, I'm laughing. Not because it's funny. I'm laughing because they're getting what they deserve. They were all about, I saw a meme the other day. It was really good. It was, you know, that they have that gray faced person that's like the left, you know, right, crazy right, person. Right. And uh, there was the one, and it was like New York City. You can see in the background, they're like, you need to take these people in, right? And it shows the, the person that that gray faced person's all like, you know, sitting on the high moral ground. And it was a picture of Texas, you know, saying, you know, we're struggling. And then it, the next picture was showing Texas with all the illegals going to the sanctuary cities. And that sanctuary had that screaming face that they have, you know, that's crazy. Right. And it's like, that's the double standard, isn't it? Right. It's like the sanctuary cities in San Francisco and Portland and Oregon and New York and Chicago and everywhere else run by leftists, all blue cities, right? All Democrat controlled. Oh, Texas, Florida, you guys need to take those people on and handle it. But as soon as they start busting them north by the hundreds of thousands, those cities like, we can't handle this. This is a terrible idea. I'm like, really? Interesting, isn't it? <laughs> so it's amazing. Something? One rule for thee and another for me. Less than 60 seconds, Mike. Final thoughts for today. Oh, I think we've said enough. Um, I, I, it was uh, good to hear from Sullivan. There's a lot of things going on geopolitically. Um, uh, you know, he's got a tough battle in front of him, obviously, in Congress. Imagine, you know, imagine the Alaska legislature yeah. on steroids. Oh, man. Times, I get, you know, about four yeah, that would be that. that would be an exercise in pain for sure. All right, hold the line for a second, Mike. Uh, folks, we're out of time. Congratulations to Paul, to Daniel, and to Barbara. You all won tickets to... Uh, you all won tickets to the Prager deal. So there you go. Uh, we will see you guys tomorrow for Firearms Friday. Don't forget Dennis Prager. You can get tickets at AK Policy, excuse me, akfamily.org and uh, check it out there. We will see you guys tomorrow. Have a great day. Okay. Um Final, final thoughts, Mike, now that we don't have a time limit on you, because I know that that just constrains you. Uh, give me uh, give me your final your final word for today, sir. Oh, what's the final word, Mike? Well, we'll see. I think the most important thing in the next few days here is what's going to happen with SB 140, that whole education bill. So we'll see. I don't know if you watched it all the house, but oh, my gosh, is it painful? They were still going at like 10 o'clock last night, and I think they were only about halfway through their amendments. So I don't even know when they finished up. I'll have to ask some of the guys today how they're doing. So that was a very long day for them, I'm sure. Um, but we'll see where that goes because that's going to drive policy and spending on the education side. And then uh, that's really the hot one right now. Um, not much else as we kind of wait into the next month. We'll see where things go. Obviously, a lot of federal stuff we're talking about. So it's just um, – that's the one big one at the moment. Keep an eye on that one. See how it goes. We'll talk about it next week. We'll have a better idea, I think, on how that one is panning out. But uh, I don't know. I mean, that's it, Mike. There's just a lot of things. Like I said, we could talk for hours and all yeah. things that are taking place. Uh, and uh, we will just take it week by week and see where we are. But, boy, I do hope, like we started off the program, Mike, I do hope with all of the opportunity we have in the state, if we can just find a way to work together, um, especially Republicans, um, to come together with a, a body that was controlled by Republicans, the things we could do to turn on the spigot here for development and growth. We could we could turn Alaska, could be the Texas of the North, if we would just do it. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you, Mike. I appreciate you coming on board, as always. Uh, we'll see what happens. I mean, we'll see if – I mean, I, I guess we just got to get more people – engaged i mean i don't know 
I don't know. I don't know how we're going to get them engaged. I don't know. I don't know what more it will take to get them engaged at this point, other than just maybe they have to lose the whole permanent fund. Maybe the state government has to lose the permanent fund and then start talking about an income tax before somebody goes, whoa, wait a second. I thought it was I thought we were I thought we were supposed to avoid this. I don't know. I don't know what it's going to take by, to engage By the way, people. Mike, what you just said, what you just said is what I predict is going to happen. We're oh, going yeah. to take most, if not all, the dividend yep. and taxes are coming, and maybe yep. that's when people will wake up. Nope, that's, that's where I, it's going. I fully believe it. Based on the numbers and the projections and look at what we're doing in the next 36 months, there will be no dividend. Uh, it'll Or it'll be a $100 gimme or something. And then the rest of it will just all be gone. And then they'll come to you and say, well, the free rides are over, folks. The public folks. sector. Yeah. The, the f- public sector. The, the free rides <laughs> are over, baby. You guys need to pay your fair share now. So there you go. All right. Well, thanks, Mike. I appreciate it. As always, it's good to talk with you, sir. See you next week. Cheers. See you later. Uh, all right, folks. That's it. I'm done. Um, fix your mac and cheese. Two things fix your mac and cheese. Ultra sharp white cheddar usually an English cheddar, and a smoked Gouda. Those two things in your mac and cheese will make your mac and cheese amazing. That's what you need right there. A little bit of cornstarch, if it's not thick enough, you're good to go. That will make your mac and cheese amazing. That's all I got to say. All right, friends, we will see you tomorrow. Have a great day. terrestrial radio skin and now we are slimy lizard internet people it's the michael duke show